Good morning. <clears throat> I'll start by asking apologies for the bit slightly croaky voice this morning, although this is quite good. It might be um, fairly difficult for some people at home on the live stream, um, but our technicians are going to balance that out, um, I do believe. But I'm going to get some helpers this morning, so hopefully um, it won't be too much of a distraction. But let us share some words of prayer before uh, we start. Father God, this morning we just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. Amen. And it's going to be more the words of God rather than my own, because he's got to speak this morning. As we read, God speaks in many different ways. He spoke to Moses. And we're going to come to that in a minute. But before we get to that, Moses. Now, when I learnt about Moses at Sunday school when I was a child, I remember hearing at least ten times the story of baby Moses. Does everyone know the story of baby Moses? Maybe that's the most commonly uh, told story about Moses. And it took me a while until I grew up and got into my teens to relate the baby Moses to this Moses. Not actually relate them, but they are the same person. So the baby Moses, who was put into a basket in the stream by his mother at the beginning of the story, is this Moses who now has an encounter with God and is summoned uh, to go and uh, uh, do a job, do something that God has asked him to do. So Moses was a Hebrew, but he was raised up in the Egyptian royal family as a grandson of Pharaoh. Now, I don't know if you're a grandson of somebody very famous or if you're related to the royal family in any way at all, um, but that is obviously a very uh, nice position to be in. Maybe, maybe not, um, but he definitely had the privileges uh, when he was growing up uh, in uh, Pharaoh's house. But as time went on, he saw the injustice that was going on uh, with the Hebrews that were attacked. One of the workers, one of the Hebrew workers was attacked in the story, and Pharaoh gets to know about that, and Moses leads, runs away for safety, and he becomes a shepherd. Now, don't get confused with Moses the shepherd and David the shepherd, okay? Because I also did that when I was very young. So Moses becomes a shepherd in Midian, in the region where the Midianites, and thank you for Joey for that reading, all the ites and the Israelites and the Midianites, I only know about mosquito bites. That's as far as it goes with the ites. Um, so I'm glad uh, you did very well with that reading this morning. So it's a region that is quite far away from Egypt. That's where Moses is living, hiding. Um, and we don't know exactly how long he lived there. If we go from the beginning of Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus 3, that's only three chapters in the book. But time-wise, there was definitely um, a long time because during that time, he got married and he had a son. So there we see how the time has gone and Moses has grown up. And in that time as well, two important things happened. So the king of Egypt died, Pharaoh passed away, and the Lord heard the cry of his people and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this act of remembering his people doesn't necessarily mean that God had forgotten them, but it signaled that he was about to do something. 
And that's why he called Moses. Now, I need some Moseses this morning. How many Moseses can I have this morning? The Bible only has one, but I could do with quite a few. So who would like to come and help me? Right, come up as many as you can. There's actually more children than I was expecting this morning, which is really good. Because it's half term, so a lot of people have already gone away on holiday. But it's good to have you here. So we've got four, four Moses. Moses A, B, C, and D. Or Moses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Or you can all huddle together and be one big Moses. Oh, five, there you go. So you can be one big Moses, okay? So, right. So Moses was looking after his sheep, and he saw something very strange. Now, is there something strange in the church this morning? Are you calling it strange? Tom actually thinks they're calling me strange. My voice is strange. I thought you were going to say that, actually. But yeah, that is strange. What is it? It's a, it's a tree. What kind of tree? It's a Christmas tree. It's a Christmas tree. Thank you. Well, those that are regular here at Christchurch know that I like to talk about Christmas. I just love Christmas. So when I was given the duty to talk about this passage, I couldn't resist getting the Christmas tree out. I thought, how can I make a bush? I had an idea. The Christmas tree. So yes, that is half of our Christmas tree, which this morning is a bush, okay? So use your imagination, as good as my crea creativity is. Um, hopefully your imagination is slightly better than that. Um, but that is a bush. Well done. Thank you for pointing it out. So it's a strange bush, obviously, because it's a Christmas tree, so it looks strange. But that was the idea. It was supposed to be strange. Okay? And what's happening to that bush? It's burning up. Is it really? Well, I did think that this morning, you know... Um, we could make it a little bit more realistic, maybe. <laughs> this is a full-time job. I can't, I can't deserve to uh, do something too dangerous like that. But yeah, um, actually, I'll open a little gap here and say that a friend of mine did this story once, and they used a fan to try and make the flames, the flames move around. And there was actually a, um, a circuit in the fan, and it caught fire. That's why I did not bring a fan this morning. I just bought the matches because I knew I could put it out. And yeah. Um, but back to the main point. So this is a bush on fire. I think my fire is actually pretty good. Um, yeah. Thank you for agreeing with me. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, have you ever seen something on fire? Yeah. You have? Does it look something like that? Yeah. Thank you, Joey. You love children, don't you? So what happens after a few minutes when it's on fire? It what? Now, when something's on fire, what usually happens to it? It burns off. Now, funny enough, that, that bush has been on fire um, since about half past nine this morning. And it hasn't burnt, you see? I've actually managed to reproduce the real burning bush. This is going to become a touristic point in Sidcup. People are going to come and see the burning bush. Even those people that are on the live stream, they're going to come in the week and they're going to want to have a closer look at the burning bush. So, exactly, that's the point. This fire is different. It doesn't consume. It's not turning into ashes. Although, again, if I did put it on fire, we could have some ashes for Ash Wednesday, couldn't we? Would that be a good idea? We won't do that. So when it catches fire, it'll burn out, it'll turn black, and it'll just turn into ashes. But that didn't happen with this bush. 
because God is immaterial. God is unchangeable. God does not need to consume any material, neither can he be consumed. Because he is God. Now back to Moses. Moses was standing there looking at this very strange bush and he was coming closer to have a little look. And suddenly a voice said, stop. Don't come any closer. Okay. Now let's see who was paying attention on the Bible reading. What did the voice say? Uh, take your... Come on then. If you want to get close to the bush, you've got to take them off. If anyone needs a clothes peg up there, I'll... Uh... Okay, so are we ready? Now, why did he tell him... Why did he tell Moses to take his sandals off? It was holy ground. Right, you can stand a little bit closer now. Right. Now, that's probably because the sandals were very dirty. Um, maybe their feet might be more dirty than the shoes, but that's not the point. They are there, and Moses got closer um, to this bush on fire, on holy ground. That's reminding me of a very old song, talking about old songs. Tom said old songs. I mean, I'm only 30 years old, and I sang Father God, I wonder, so it can't be that old. But we are standing on holy ground. That's a very old one, isn't it? You've never heard of it. Okay, don't worry. But it's in the Bible. Moses was there, standing on holy ground. And then this voice from the other side of the fire... Now, who was it that was in the fire speaking to Moses? It was God. Moses saw God. Have you seen God? No. Is God in my fire? Thank you very much, Timothy. He's there, isn't he? Yes, God is here as well, isn't he? Thank you very much. You can get your shoes and you can sit back down now, okay? Because the smell is um, yeah, a little bit too much. Thank you very much for helping me. So, God asked Moses to do something, something very important. Just like when our parents tell us to do something. And what did Moses reply? Probably just like we reply to our parents. Who? <laughs> Me? Are you sure? Can't it be my brother or my sister? Bella, good morning. Scared you off now. You've come to have a look if God's in my fire, haven't you? Very good. She's come to check, you see. Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That was the task. Free the Israelites from, the, from slavery and from Pharaoh and Egypt. And Moses, who, who am I? I remember um, at home once, I hope my mum's not watching on the live stream this morning, she, she does sometimes when she knows I'm talking, just to make sure what I'm talking about. Um, but when I, when I was younger, my mum came with this, this task, and Tom has been talking about money this morning, which is quite interesting. Um, and she said, who, who can do a job for me? So me and my two sisters were like, well, not knowing what it is, we'll hold back. I need someone just to go to the supermarket. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'll give you a fiver. 
all three of us. A little bit of incentive to go, isn't it? No questions asked. Just a little bit of incentive. But what was Moses going to gain from this? I'm sure that was what Moses was asking himself. First of all, who am, who am I? What, um, why? Why me? But also, he said to God in verse 13, he questioned God and said, well, what do I tell them? Okay, if, if I agree to go, what am I going to say? Now, he wasn't speechless like me. I, I'd probably say to God this morning, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't really talk. I did ponder that this morning. Tom was prepared to step in this morning. I was like, mm, yeah, can I just say, you know, what am I going to say? I can't say. I've got no voice. But Moses had a voice. He just didn't know the words to say. What shall I tell them? What's his name? Who sent you? So he says to him, his answer, what was God's answer? We're going to come to that in a minute. But the question here is, first of all, who am I? Now, we always ask other people, who are you? And ask them to explain themselves. But have you ever asked yourself that question? Who am I? Have you ever given that any thought? Who am I? We sang a few minutes ago, Father God, I wondered how I managed to exist without the knowledge of the way. We are children of God. Have you ever told somebody that? When they ask you, who are you? Have you ever said, I am the son of God, I am the daughter of God? Maybe you start by saying who you're married to. Maybe you start saying who your brother or your sister is. You might say where you live. Do we talk about our faith? Do we talk about our God? Who am I? That is really important, understanding who we are. But more important is understanding who he is. If you're going to mention him, you better know what you're talking about. But we're going to come to that in a minute. So let's see then, who is this God? Verse 14 of the Bible, Bible reading we had earlier. What was God's answer to Moses? He said, I am who I am. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it? Can you imagine asking someone, Tom, who are you? I'm um, the husband of Kate, uh, uh, Katie, father of William Samuel John. That's what you get when you don't practice, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Desi. Desi, who are you? I'm the daughter of God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more of, if you ask someone, and it's probably because you, you don't want to repeat the words, I understand that. If you ask someone who they are and they simply reply to you, I am who I am. What have you just learnt about that person? Absolutely nothing. So can you imagine Moses looking at a bush on fire with no shoes on, being asked to go and set thousands of people free from the hands of Pharaoh, kind of considering maybe going after reluctantly thinking 
you know, who am I? But then, what do I say then? I'll go. What do I say? Say, I am sending you here. I'll have a quick show of hands. Who would go? Two? Because you know now who the I am is. But I bet if you're free, but I bet if you were back in Moses' time, looking at this bush on fire, and a voice said to you, go and, you know, go and say that I am a sin. Doesn't give much information. But because we're talking about God, it actually tells us quite a lot. Let's think about it. God is so big, God is so powerful, that he can't have an ordinary name like Tom or John. I'm not picking on those names, only for we've got more of one of them in church, that's why it's more common than others. Tom and John or Bob. He can't have an ordinary name. When God says that he is, I am, he may not be saying much, but he's actually saying it all. He's telling Moses and us that he is the one true God. And we can trust him. There is no other. He doesn't say, I am one of. He stops at, I am. It was hard for Moses, but he finally obeyed God's call to go to Egypt to rescue the Israelites. Now, thankfully, we're not Moses, and we probably um, won't have to do something compared to that. But has God ever asked you to do something that you considered too hard for you to do? Maybe you can think of some situations that you were in. We really have to trust God. And if I may just come back to my own story slightly of when me and my family moved back from Brazil to the United Kingdom after living 20 years and building a life out there. We had to trust this I am. I came back to a country that I thought I knew and discovered I didn't. My wife came to a country that for a holiday visit seemed very nice, but living here is totally different. She still thinks it's nice. You came on an aeroplane with four suitcases, so you had to get rid of everything you had. Did I ask questions? Of course I did. I'm a human. I might be a churchgoer. I might be a children, youth and family minister but I'm still human. And I asked the question, you're God. You are. <laughs> Go with us. Go before us. And that is what God does. When God says to Moses, I am, he's saying, I am with you, but I am already there. Maybe something really hard for us to do 
Young children, be kind to your brother and your sister. Yeah, next week the children are going to be learning about God is a kind God. There you go. A little insight to help the parents bring the children along next week. <laughs> Simple things. Sometimes we think about the big major obstacles and problems in life, but maybe some of the day-to-day -day situations we find difficult or hard. But we need to remember that God, the I am to Moses, is also the I am to each and every one of us. Sometimes it's hard to obey God, but he always gives us the strength to do what he's asked us to do. God will not ask us to do something that we are not capable of doing. Maybe not with our own strength, but because he is with us. He is self-sufficient. Back to the burning bush. He doesn't need a match. How did that bush start? How did the fire start? It was there. He's self-sufficient. He's self-sustaining. He was, he is, and is to come. Will always be. In Brazil, when they speak, when they teach English to children, they literally teach them the verb to be. So it's I am. Which is quite interesting, because that's what God is. He was, he is, and shall ever be. It's the name above all names. One that reminds us that God is in control. He sees us. It also affirms his identity as saviour. As the son of God. Now, in our everyday life, it may be easy to lose sight of the greatness, the majesty, the holiness of God. But meditating on the name that he gave himself. And we can think maybe of many names that God could have used, but he decided to say, God is eternal, he's sovereign, he is who he is. We learn and know that he is the alpha and the, which is the beginning and the end. He is who he is and there is none like him. No one. No one. No one is like God. I like the words from a hymn uh, written by Don Moyen. I hope I pronounced his surname right, which is, has that title, There is None Like You. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you. So many people are looking for a purpose to life. So many people are looking for answer to questions. Some people are still trying to find out who they are. But God this morning, he presents himself to all of us and says, I am who I am. I am with you. I am before you. That is our God. And where is he? 
He is everywhere. He's even in my burning bush. That's why I love children. He is here. He says, I am. May we understand the complexity of those words, but also the simplicity of our God who is with us every single day. And you could probably put any word on the end of I am. I am with you. I am for you. I am love. I am kind. I am. That is God. He simply is. And sometimes when people ask us, describe God, sometimes the only thing that we can say is that he is who he is. I can't describe him. And that sometimes people think, oh, they just don't want to think about it. But most of the time, that is exactly who God is. He is who he is. And there is no one like him. And as we think about that, and during this week I challenge you to, every time you maybe ask that question, who are you? Think about who he is and what he's done for each and every one of us.